welcome to a new episode of the Film at Lincoln Center podcast. This week we're featuring a special Q&A which followed the recent U.S. premiere of The Birthday during our Jordan Peele curated series, The Lost Rider, a chronicle of Hollywood sacrifice, with director Eugenio Mira and lead Corey Feldman, moderated by FLC programmer Tyler Wilson. Part comedy of manners by way of Jerry Lewis, part phantasmagorical head trip, Eugenio Mira's debut has garnered cult status in the years since its premiere at Sitges in 2004, in part for never getting an official home video release or U.S. theatrical premiere, that is, until this January at Philmont Lincoln Center. Set in a ruby-red art deco hotel in 1987, the birthday follows hapless protagonist Norman Forrester, played by Corey Feldman whose accent might suggest Brooklyn, New York, but is actually Brooklyn, Baltimore, as he navigates an inhospitable birthday celebration for his scolding girlfriend's wealthy father, played by cult icon Jack Taylor, and struggles with the anxieties of his deteriorating romance. The atmosphere turns from tensely awkward to downright sinister as the party wears on, leading Norman to uncover an unimaginable conspiracy implicating the partygoers and staff. With its painstakingly fabricated set design, kinetic camera work, and bonkers performances, The Birthday is a weirdo horror of the highest order and peers straight into the traumatized headspace of relationship neuroses. Let's go to the talk. We, we heard the screams at, uh, in backstage, so that's the best. That's the a most, good thing, right? That's a good thing. The, the most flattering thing. So we hope. I think it's safe to say we love the birthday. Unless they were screaming because maybe they were like, "What the hell did we just watch? What the hell? Ah! Was, what the hell was that? That was terrible. It could have been that, but we don't know. Well, it, it might be my new favorite breakup movie. <laughs> you could definitely boil it down to that. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Well, I'm, I'm eager to ask you many questions, and I'm sure our audience is as well, but I, I want to start with a question for both of you. I want to just, I, I want to ask what it's like, you know, to think about, to reflect on this movie today, you know, nearly 20 years since its premiere at Sitges, you know, do you, you know, you caught a little bit of the end, do you, do you see new details in this film? Do you think about it differently than how you had in 2004? We were discussing together during the dinner that this clearly has gone beyond ourselves and our expectations. I think that it's fair to say that The Birthday uh, is one of those films, you, you know, people talk about the magic of cinema in, and the, the funny thing about me personally loving the craft of cinema, it's more like uh, illusionism, it's more about tricks and uh, techniques and stuff, but every now and then, it, it, it's, it sounds corny, but it's true. It becomes magic. And in this case, I will say that the case of the birthday is more like witchcraft <laughs> in the way that it's a what the hell. It, it, it has its own life. It's beyond ourselves. And uh, what can I say? I see it uh, as something that we've done together, but at the same time, something alien to ourselves. So I can, I can say that almost 20 years after, I can see it and, and enjoy it as an audience member in a way that it's, it's very, very disturbing. <laughs> <laughs> Corey, do you want to say anything about it? <laughs> disturbing but fun, right? I mean, it's a fun sort of disturbing. Disturbing can be fun. Yes, it can be, and it is in the case of the birthday. So what did you guys think? That's what we want to know. Well, sure, why don't we take some audience I mean, I suppose the fact that you're still in your seats is a good thing, right? We'll have to take it for that. Yeah, so let's take some audience questions now. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. We, we really the want to hear the thoughts because don't forget, this is our, our sound. You're our sounding board. Yeah. You're our first opportunity to know 
what American audiences think, because you're the first American audience who actually paid money to see this film. So we thank you for your patronage. Thank you. And we look right. forward to yeah. hearing your questions so, and your thoughts. Yeah. So if you have a question, raise your hand. There's a mic that will come to you. This is going to be fun therapy for free. <laughs> Any, there's a question right here, a hand. Yes. Hello. Oh, I was just wondering what he does at the pizza shop. He's a plumber. <laughs> he, he's really good at cleaning the pipes. So he's back there a lot, you know, <laughs> underneath the, you know, the sinks and the, the back of the toilets. And, you know, so you can understand why he's really excited to have a girlfriend. By, by the way, there's this mention, maybe he's got this double job because he works in a pizzeria in Brooklyn, not New York, but Baltimore, right? Right, well, that's what he was saying. He was saying, okay. what does he do at the pizzeria? Oh, and I said, oh sorry, I missed that part, yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I so apologize. He's, he's the plumber at the pizza shop. Sorry, my jet lag is cleaning, been, cleaning the pipes in the back of the... Got it. Yeah. What I was thinking, what I was thinking. <laughs> we'll be here all week. Not really, because you know why? Eugenio, my friend, has got to fly to L.A. tomorrow because he's nominated for a Critics' Choice Award for his new best foreign film TV show on HBO. Thank you, Corey. Garcia. It's, thank you very much. It's surreal to have these two moments of my life. I, think that it, I feel like I'm in a funeral, you know? And uh, I... Yeah, I take it. I'll take that. Most probably this is more exciting than my funeral eventually, so oh, I'll take well, it. I would I'll hope keep so. It, I'll keep it forever. <laughs> Thank you, guys. Thank you. What a somber way to look at it. Thank you. <laughs> more questions, please. Did he return to the pizza parlor thing after? <laughs> they really like the pizza parlor. Yeah, I know. This is a really important part of the role. 20 years ago. I had ago, no idea. Uh, and we figured out that that was the thing that was going to stick in right, the mind exactly. of the audience members. <laughs> if we only knew, we probably would have, you know, exactly. drawn more to the pizza. Like uh, Domino's Pizza, you're providing, you know, <laughs> releasing the movie. Norman's an intriguing character. I mean, yes. he's in every scene. Did this, this film start with this character? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Tell us, tell us. It's well, his subjective perception what drives the movie. I mean, do you see that elevator floating in, the, in darkness? You don't know you're, you're in space, in a dream, you don't know what it is. And the moment that, that those elevator doors open, you, we see the silhouette of Norman and he steps towards us. And literally, the whole hotel, the Royal Fulton Hotel materializes with every single step that he makes forward towards the camera. There's this dissolved thing. There was an idea that I had from the very beginning to make sure that we um, made the audience feel that we were going to be tethered to this character, we liked it or not. And um, nothing exists beyond his perception of what's going on. And uh, yeah, yeah, from the very beginning, that's how we, um, well, we as audience members, we kind of are in the movie incarnated through his you know, performance, of course, Corey, and, and becoming Norman Forrester. That, that was the bet. Corey, can you talk about reading the script, you know, how you responded to it on the first read and how you sort of developed this character, how you found this, this voice, how you found these tics that you see? Um, he found me, I think, more than the other way around, uh, to be honest, because when I read it, um, 
you know, it was a peculiar situation. You know, my, my manager calls me and he says, you know, we've got this script and it's a brilliant script and it's this, this young filmmaker who's, who's recently won a bunch of awards at the short film festivals in Spain and we'd love you to take a look at his reel and we'd love you to see this. And so I read it and it was like, immediately I realized that I couldn't stop turning the pages. You know, it was just this dark humor, but like still really brilliant, really uh, gripping and intelligent. And every page just drew me in closer. And and the character Norman literally just spoke to me immediately. I, I immediately heard his voice. I immediately saw the mannerisms. I immediately saw Norman coming to life. And so much so that I told my manager, you know what? I want to do this. Like, I want to do it. And he was like, Really? You're, I mean, they don't have much money. They want to fly you to Spain to work for basically nothing, and you're going to be there for like three months. And I'm like, yeah, <laughs> let's do it. <laughs> you know, um, and and it was because I felt I felt the the genius of this passion of this movie, mm-hmm. and and so when I got to the the location, you know, of course we hit it off right away. As you can tell, we're good friends, and we. Uh, we had so much to talk about. It was so exciting. And then, you know, he said, it's going to be great, man. I was, you're so excited to have you here. It's amazing, man. I love his impersonation. I love the Goonies. It's amazing. That's a great impersonation. Unbelievable. The way you do math, man. It's incredible. I got to say, I have to bring it all into fuck yous. And I said, what? The focus, yeah? I have to bring it into fuck yous. Fuck yous, yeah. I said, no, it, no it's focus, buddy. It's focus. Oh, yeah, that one. 20 years ago, I didn't know to say focus. <laughs> For a Spaniard, focus felt like fuck yous. So it could we be have a, a little uh, offensive, you know, until you understood what was going on. O and U's are tricky for Spaniards. (laughs) Sorry. Sorry. So anyway, you know, we got along right away. We were immediately friends. But he says, so so tell me, what is the the character? What's it going to be, you know? And I was like, "Uh, you know, I don't really want to share that with you yet. And he's like, what do you mean? You know, we just flew you out here. You got to show us. I said, no, I'm not 100%. There's some things I need to dial in. And I'm not 100% finished with all of it yet but i promise you at the read through norman will be there and it will be norman and he says well unfortunately we can't have the read through <laughs> and i said what do you mean you can't have the read through we've been saving up for this moment you know it's a big reveal and he said no nah, unfortunately erica Pryor, she couldn't make it she's going to be late and this person can't be there and da, 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 da. so bottom line is there's no read through unless you want the read through to be me and you know my partner and we'll read through it with you. And so it was like, okay, I guess we need to do that because unfortunately a lot of the English was broken, very broken English. Yeah. And so we had to sit there for about three days where I took every line and kind of retranslated from the broken translation that we had and then also added a lot of pop culture references and things that put it into the time of where it was because unfortunately you know he wanted to make this statement that it was an 80s thing and i'm like yeah but if it's going to be an 80s thing there's all these weird catchphrases and shit that people would say in the 80s that you know we probably wouldn't remember now but if you say them people will remember them and it would be great to throw that kind of stuff in there so we started sprinkling all of that kind of lingo in there and the mannerisms and things like that uh, and then it wasn't until the first day on the set when Norman finally came to play. And so he had to put great faith in me as an actor mm-hmm. that I did get the character, that I did understand what I was doing, mm-hmm. and that it was going to work. And at first, what was your first reaction? 
Well, the thing, uh, my, my first reaction was, I think that we're going to have to modulate this thing along the whole thing. But it, it was like, remember that we said, and we, we, we had this, um, uh, everything was very transparent with, with, between both of us. It was like saying, okay, the twitching and the scattering, we have to decide when that's going to be. You create dynamics on it, you know, because it's a very, if he went just in one gear for the same character across a whole movie where he's in every single shot, it will be very complicated, but at the same time, of course, he had an understanding of the story, and he knew that, no, no, don't worry, of course, here I'm going to be, like, keeping it lower, and, uh, and I think that I remember the finding that kind of um, chart, the musical kind of dynamics of the character, and that's the only thing that I did as a director, to make sure that uh, there was this continuity, because, of course, the movie takes place in real time, but we didn't shoot it left to right, right. so we had to, with a script, uh, Adela Gutierrez, <laughs> that she made an amazing work, trying to keep the continuity of, you know, Norman in, in, in her head to make sure that it was matching. And most of the time we didn't have to say anything because he, of course, did the homework. But at the same time, that's, that, I, that was my only concern, to make sure that the dynamics of the character were uh, right at the spot in every moment because the character is 100% what he did. I have to say that when he, went, when he came up with the, with the voice and the high pitch and, the, and, and that accent, and he, he told me, he was like, yeah, you, you know, I'll, can we talk about Al Pacino? And he talked to me about Dog Days Afternoon. So when you had <laughs> him, and he's like, oh, now I understand. Keep in mind that for Spaniards, in my case, I love to watch films back in the day, already like um, original version, not dubbed versions. But in Spain, it's very common not to get to the real thing. So when we, the first time that I saw Dog Days Afternoon, years before, uh, we did the birthday was dubbed to Spanish. So... So you saw the Spanish actor doing Dog Day Afternoon. I think that, yeah, I think that maybe... Not actually Al Pacino Exactly, and that movie in particular, not. Uh, the Godfather, for example, in English. But okay. Dog Day Afternoon, for some reason, I couldn't find so it. So I probably said to you, oh, I'm, I'm kind of modeling this a little bit after yeah. the character in Dog Day Afternoon. And it was like, okay, and, and I had to take it out. And you're thinking of the Spanish translation guy going, oh, yeah. no, that's not going to work at all. For the record, I was 26-year-old, and uh, so... That's big, but look, I consider myself a millennial lost in space and time. But yes, I have to, I have to figure out how it was, and then I got it, and and now I can make an impersonation of Norman if you allow me to do. Yes, it. please. I just want to talk to you. I'm Allison, Allison, Allison. But so, but is the thing, you know? I got it. Like I find a high pitch when I don't know. I get it. And it was like, okay, now we're safe. Al Pacino is a good reference after all, right? <laughs> Not a bad reference. But here's the thing. Every review that's ever come out right. has always said, Corey doing his best Jerry Lewis. <laughs> and him and I look at each other like, what? Like what? Jerry Lewis? Wait, like, where did, no, where did that come from? Al Pacino in Dog Days Afternoon. <laughs> it's Dog Day Afternoon! It's, in it's Dog Day Afternoon. For sure. Uh, no, but there is, you know, there's a lot of, I mean, obviously it's not a one-dimensional character. There's a lot of different flavors and, and aspects to his range, and, and certainly Pacino is one of them. Another people references Peter Sellers, and I think that is probably a little bit more on point with the party, because yeah. there's a lot of, you know, in his mind he had that. The environment, the hotel, right. for sure. So I think I might have watched bits of that for some homework. Um, but, you know, uh, I think that the... You know, the whole like, hey, man, you know, that guy, uh, that, guy. that's that's very Pacino, you know, in Dog Day Afternoon. And, you know. By the way, uh, shout out to, when it comes to creating Norman on paper, before Corey was involved in the project, 
a big shout out to Mikel Alvareño, co-writer of the script. That it was my partner. And uh, we're still friends. And uh, I had to tell, just to finish, I know there's a big question, but uh, I promise that I will try to summarize it. We approached the script like this kind of gift of saying, okay, all, we only have these restraints in terms of uh, the production and the financing. It's, it has to happen in this hotel. It's going to be in real time. And from that point on, we started to be as bold and crazy and ambitious as we could. And among those things were how to build Norman as this kind of counterintuitive version of what Corey Fullman, uh, the icon, sorry, not the guy that's standing next to me that I consider my friend, but uh, got used the to. image of Corey Fullman. Yeah, but what it, the, yeah, but if you take a look to, you know, some, you always were so confident when you were a kid from Goonies or, you know, License to Drive, blah, blah, blah. you see him like smart, like smart and uh, like an adult, like more mature than what the kid was. Like an asshole. Yeah, well, but a, right, right, yeah, but a charming asshole, you know? Right, 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 and uh, right, somebody right, that right. We, we kids look up like, I want to be like that guy when right, I grow old. Right. So playing with that counterintuitively, like so, so showing Norman like somebody that's introverted and, and nervous and all that, that was one of the motivations that we had from the very beginning. Because I have to say, in Mikkel's mind and myself, he was always the protagonist, I have to say. And so this another level of dreams coming true. So today I'm celebrating that 20 years after. And I love you, Curry. It's amazing. I love you too. Thank you so much, Eugenio. You know, listen, if this guy hadn't had the vision, if he didn't see it, if he didn't see this, this crazy dream of, of taking me out of me and putting me into Norman Forrester in the first place, right? Then it wouldn't have happened. So he wrote it with that in mind. He had that vision of like, this is, this is the only person who can play this role. He didn't expect what he got, you know, the guy that ended up turning out. I don't think he expected so much, but I, but I didn't, but in the, yeah. Yeah. And in the end, that was the only thing that worked. Cause if you made Norman anything like me, it wouldn't have worked, you know, it would have been, he would have been too confident. He would have had too much stride in his step. I think it's, you know, it made it so relatable because he is every guy in a way, you know, um, and the soundtrack, by the way, can I just say that he's responsible for all of that. This guy's a genius. Seriously. Uh, thank you so much. Again, I had to shut out because I, time goes by and I have to, I'm very specific about the, uh, been fair with credits. I have to be very thankful to Fernando Velázquez. It's a composer that um, helped me with arrangements and all that. And I reached a level of you know interaction with him. It was my first time writing for orchestra, and I considered that it wasn't fair to sign with my name. So kind of going half and half. I, said, I know, and, and, and in all fairness, he says this about the guy who, and I help, the pseudonym, who yeah. helped compose, right? Yeah. But in all fairness, he also at one point told me that I was half the director of the film. <laughs> and, and this is how humble this man is because <sighs> it was all his concept. It was all his genius. He had the blueprints every day of what you know, the schematics would be, of, of what you know, the diagrams would be, what the room was going to look like, what our outfits were going to look like. Everything was, was literally hand-drawn out ahead of time in the most professional way I've ever seen. He had, you know, uh, literally a blueprint of everything. So, you know, and then I came in and I did what I do, but, but you know, and obviously in no way would I consider a, a co-director credit because it's your baby, it's your film, it's your genius, and I, I am so grateful that you have achieved what you have at such an early age to make such a brilliant film, and you deserve all the credit for it. 
Holy shit. Thank as, you, as, You know, it's yours. I don't agree entirely, but I love him, and, and it's what can I say? I have to say that I wasn't this humble 20 years ago. I was kind of a a, a brat, 26 year old. I thought there was like the next Tarantino or something. So it, it makes sense to be. I feel you are the next Tarantino. No, no. What are you talking no. about? Could you, could you guys? It hasn't hit yet. Could you guys recap um, what it was like premiering this this film? It's gonna be it's not gonna be easy, but let's try. No, I, I'm just I'm curious. You know what when you premiered this film in 2004 and you were shooting in festivals in 2005, you know, how were people reacting to this film? What, what kind of questions were you getting? Um, you know, do you, do you think this movie was misunderstood back then? I think it, people loved it right away. I mean, we never had an audience that didn't like it. Like I said, there would be people who maybe didn't understand it, but they were still entertained, they were still enjoying it. Um, but people were pretty shocked when this didn't come out in the theaters. I mean, they everybody was kind of like built up and excited and waiting for it. And then when it didn't happen, it was like, what happened? And we looked at each other and went, what happened? I think that just to add some perspective, and it's something that I, I think that I ended up understanding with the pass of time. Uh, 2004, 2005 is this spot where social media wasn't there yet. And the only way to have a mention of a film, an independent film on film festivals, I, I remember that going to Q&As in, in Vancouver, in uh, Cinemorte, uh, in, uh, in a fantastic fest at the Alamo Draft House in 2005. And in the Q&A, I was begging people, and if you like this show, or do you like the movie, please write a review. Because it was the only thing that you could do. And back in the day, if you got like six positive or enthusiastic reviews, one in any cool news that we had, uh, um, or yeah, Joe, that, that Joe make, Blow. We were Joe really Blow, excited when Joe Blow did a review, and they, all those sites positive make the difference. And and then you go to 2006, 2007. If and imagine, it's like the the movie didn't get to that area where people could be like mirroring uh, their experience and finding kind of a community. And it's right. all that a film like this needed. Right, it couldn't it happen. Never, it never had the opportunity to get the cult following it deserved. Because it wasn't out in mainstream, you know, cinemas. It wasn't even on DVD. It wasn't on pay-per-view. There was no way to get people excited about it. So you'd get a little bubble of excitement, and then it would dissipate. Then you'd get another bubble, and it would dissipate. But in Europe, people were going nuts for it, you know. But you guys didn't see that. Another thing that we have to say, and not name drop, going full name dropping style, but it's true that, and this is one of my biggest satisfactions. I always say that look, uh, when I was you know, a teenager and always look for inspiration to the directors that I love. But with the pass of time, I, and, I, and we can talk about that because it, we had validation by directors that we admire that happen to have connected with the birthday. And again, I, it's not that I'm gonna come here to saying the names, but it, it, they will blow your mind. The one that we can mention because it's public and it's the one we're thanking for having Jordan Peele, of course. Jordan Peele himself. Yes, yes. That, uh, well, you, you can tell that side of the story. Well, I think what, you know, Eugenio is a modest man, but the truth of the matter is he, he was very wise as a young director and had a lot of uh, ambition. And so he went out and he sent copies of the birthday to every major filmmaker at the time, from Oliver Stone to Quentin Tarantino to, you know, Donner. I sent it to Donner. Um, he sent it to Richard Donner. What, the, what about that? What, okay, uh, it's being great. Thank you very much. Bye. <laughs> so, so uh, they all loved it. You know, every single one of them gave us like these incredible reviews, and was just like, "Oh my God, this film is brilliant! It's brilliant! You're brilliant!" His direction, blah blah blah. You know, they're not going to release it. It's not their movie, but you know, they enjoyed it. 
And uh, I remember uh, I was just telling him with Oliver Stone, the experience with Oliver Stone, because I, I ran into him in a parking lot. And I said, hey, you saw my, my film The Birthday, right? Uh, what'd you think? And he's like, yeah, I didn't like it. <laughs> I was like, okay, fair enough. And he's like, I mean, you were great. You did a great job. I said, thank you. And he goes, and, and you know, the whole thing was, was really, really well done. I said, thanks. And he goes, it just wasn't for me. I understand. I mean, you know, it's not that's, for everybody. That's a true story that I but, remember tonight. I forgot about it and he told me this like, damn. But by the, same, by the same coin, on the same flip of a coin, I also got a call out of nowhere at home from Guillermo de Toro, who called me up flipping out, you know, saying, this is brilliant, man. This performance is incredible. You are unbelievable. I mean, wow. You better win the freaking award for this one. <laughs> I'm going to say something that Guillermo introduced the film in 2006. It was a film festival in Madrid. And he was there, like, uh, curating and showing up with a microphone. And, and people were going nuts. And uh, this is, this is the, the thing that I can say because it's public and there, there's a lot of witnesses. Uh, when he introduced the film, he said... <laughs> something along the lines of something like if this movie would I'm not going to try and impersonate him but if, if this movie was directed by a South Korean director you will be jerking off out your seats <laughs> and, and, and he as a Mexican was making a point about how Spaniards having this European thing of cynicism are not uh, into valuing something that is made from there Jaded. and he was like saying you should be ashamed from being Spaniards Because, because you, you don't value what you have here. This kid made an amazing movie. He, he, he went in, into... You don't appreciate your own exactly. kid. He went into this kind of rant that is the sweetest right. thing ever. So thank you, Guillermo. I love you so much yes, for that. Yes, well, yes, yes. It meant a lot in 2006. We're running a little short on time, so I want uh, to I imagine, I I open imagine. it back up to the Any audience. other questions? There's a guy over there. He's yeah. been raising his hand for a while. Thank you for the film. Loved it. I think, should I consider it as a spoof on many varieties... Uh, horror films because I remember seeing this somewhere I've seen this scene when man with the axe and all <laughs> well I think that one of the the layers of the of of the aesthetics and the semantics of the film of course it has uh, I, I wouldn't say parody I would say satire in a way because there's a lot of social satire and you know like uh, this guy working a pizzeria that is with this girl we thought a lot about that it's like in movies like uh, in the 80s like um Um, oh Jesus! With the, this one with Patrick Dempsey. No, I want to be the 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 the, the Beatles. Can't song. buy me love. Can't buy me love. Yeah. Can't buy me love. That is like the nerd guy ends up with a blonde girl, but there's this kind of disenchantment that he didn't want. But blah blah blah. Okay, what happens when the nerd guy ends up with a blonde girl in the high school and the, she's the posh girl? Blah blah blah. This is like the sequel to that. I always said that to me, the birthday one of the of the ideas was to create an anti-nostalgia film about the 80s. And that's rare in 2004. Imagine we live in a world with, uh, we're heading to a fourth or fifth season of Stranger Things that I like to call that show Familiar Things because I've seen <laughs> everything. I know it, believe me. Been there, done that, got the t-shirt. And in 2004, wow. when we made the birthday, We were already making a comment in the eight, oh, about the 80s. So when you say spoof, I would say satire, a little bit of cynicism, a little bit of twist, black humor. I call it uh, Amblin Entertainment with Cancer at the same time. So oh, my God. That, that's what we wanted to do back in the day because we were this 
you know, brats that self-entitled, whatever. And we thought that we were so cool for doing this thing, you know. And uh, but uh, yes, I look back and it's in to, to me, it's, I'm terrified about how the future became so conservative and you know reactionary when it comes to fiction and celebratory of what we already know and how in the late 90s, early 2000s, there was all these directors trying to do something different, you know, and I don't know. I, I, that's my answer. Can we get that lady in the back? She looks really serious. Sure, she'll be the last question, right. lady in the back. Needless to say that we will be here for hours, as you can imagine. <laughs> Is there going to be a second of the birthday? <laughs> Aren't you cute? Hi. Uh, so <laughs> Well, we would love to, but first we got to make this one a uh, success. Exactly. <laughs> Usually helps, you know. <laughs> um, but the first thing that needs to happen is we need to get a theatrical release of yeah. the birthday. And, and you guys happen. making this a sold-out performance tonight gives us hope that that may one day be possible. So thank you all for coming. It's really super cool that you all attended tonight. Thanks for buying tickets. Thanks for selling out this showing. And we have another full house after. And I hope you guys all go out there and, like he said, write your reviews on the uh, IMDb page or, or, or put a Yelp review, you know. <laughs> or make an eight-hour-long Twitch, you know, for right. 20, 23. Or, or just go on my damn Twitter and just be like, the birthday rocked. It needs to be released. Come on, Jordan Peele, make it happen. <laughs> Thank you very much. I'm just joking, Jordan. I love you. Thank you, guys. Thank you.